Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Far. We've been traveling far. Without a home, but not without a star. As you may remember, this is how the Neil Diamond hit, They're Coming to America, begins. That song has taken on fresh meaning these days as millions of refugees seek safety far from their ancestral homes. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is here to talk about the refugee crisis and what our reaction should be. Lincoln, the time is yours. Well, where do you start on the refugee crisis? <laughs> I'll start on something I heard on the news this morning relating to the U.S. presidential election, or at least the uh, Republican primaries. Mm-hmm. Trump, in his efforts to uh, galvanize public opinion, has carried on much about illegals. He doesn't seem to be as concerned about refugees. But someone pointed out that his campaign video, raising the specter of uncontrolled illegal immigration, has a picture of people clamoring over border fences and just sort of pouring like ants into a, into a sovereign territory. And they said he, it actually was not a picture from the U.S. It was from Europe being invaded by North Africans. Hmm. And I know that picture, and that's probably the best place to start with it. This is not just as happened after many recent wars or, or wars since World War II, where people would sort of filter away from an area and turn up in fairly large, large numbers, but through regular mechanisms that turn up in other countries. It's been a literal exodus. Yes. We've seen video pictures of, of streams of tens of thousands of people almost to the horizon trudging across uh, Eastern and Western Europe, getting away from Syria, Iraq, Yemen, other places. We have seen those pictures of North Africans uh, getting onto boats, standing shoulder to shoulder on uh, barely floating and sometimes sinking and sometimes drowning refugees. But when they make it, they clamber ashore on the rocks, over the chain link fences, surge past the police, and they're gone. Yeah. This is almost an invasion. And it is raising tensions, and it's sure to have a disastrous after effect because so many of them are Islamic, which happens to be the religion in its more radical form that's informing and recruiting the radical terrorists. And there's the fear in mostly Christian or or once Christian Europe and the United States that these people will bring their religion with them, and surely they will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whether it's a radical form, we'll see. But so what this signals is increased religious tensions outside of the areas of conflict. It's exporting the, the very problem that we're fighting. Even, obviously, you and I could agree, the vast majority of these people are certainly victims and not moving with any agenda to, to harm anyone or, or, or compel anyone else to their faith. But this will be a natural consequence of this, I'm afraid. You know, that brings to question, in my mind, whether we're looking at nature or nurture here when it comes to this fundamental way of, of being Islamic. Will they continue to be an ISIS-type person if their environment, if they're nurtured differently than where they were? Because where they were grew this and created it, 
It was underscored and fed by the hatred that lives in those lands. If you take that same person and put them someplace else over time, will that feeling of I'm going to change the world, I'm going to kill everyone, I'm going to kill all Christians, will that ease in your mind? Yes, of course it will. And there's plenty of historic cases of not just religious uh, ideologues, but political sleeper agents who've been sent to a a more reasonable society, and and they become, quote, corrupted by it. They're not as as keen to uh, follow through with the battle plan. That dynamic is bound to be true, but it won't be true in all cases. So we're bound to have some distressingly uh, common cases of radicals coming in under cover of this. And, you know, you don't need many, you know, like if it's half of 1%. It would still be a common occurrence. But, you know, I was telling someone on on Facebook, they were complaining about all these refugees, and I said to them, look, if you have a hundred Canadians come across the border, you're probably going to have a very small percentage of Canadians being someone you don't want to have in this country. Would I be right in saying that? Right, of course. This is really part of what I'm getting at. When you study history, the most transforming moments are people movements. Mm -hmm. And and they don't have to be invading as an army, but when you have a large population move from one place to another, they bring their society with them, they bring their religion with them, they bring their own problems. Yes, yes. (laughs) Crime, as Trump has pointed out, but, you know, criminality exists everywhere. Yes. But when this group come in and some of them perform criminal acts, it's immediately connected to their overall presence. So tensions rise, but particularly with the Islamic populations, and I've said this on this program before, there is not any sort of a natural distinction between the faith and the political and the uh, cultural identity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we've seen it over and over again in recent years in Europe, that these communities come in, they basically form uh, ghettos, and even allowing for some prejudice with the receiving country, they cluster together, they hold on to their religion, which is their prerogative, but roll it up together with their uh, community governance and even cry out for Sharia law to be applied and so on. This is just a guaranteed disruptor of uh, normal life in those countries from here on out. Mm -hmm. There's no going back on this. Now, Lincoln, you say normal life in this country. What is normal in this country? Weren't we all refugees at one time? Didn't we all come from other countries? Very few people were say, I am, I am, I'm a true American because my ancestors and my ancestors and my ancestors all came from Kansas. We can't say that. It's true. The melting pot's never been as effective as we've imagined, yeah. but it did function somewhat. And the United States showed admirably, for example, in World War II when we fought the... Uh, the Germans, and we fought the uh, Japanese, large Japanese and German communities yeah. effectively had long lost that identity and were only seen as Americans. There was just the tiniest little group of Germans that were sympathizers to German interests, but that died away, and, and none of the Japanese, in spite of the internment. Yeah. So they were rolled into this new uh, uh, society. They saw themselves as Americans. And both of those societies, to a large degree, sort of melted into the overall population. This is not true in the, in the recent decades with Turkish and other uh, immigrant communities and North Africans. They cluster. They often don't make a general effort to learn the language right. and so on. Right. And I understand. I'm from Australia. 
I've not volunteered to give up my accent. <laughs> do, do, you, do you live in a cluster of Australians there in Hagerstown? No, no. But what I mean is I understand the, the sensibilities that they bring with them. But I think given the way the religion and the society exist in, in those Middle Eastern countries, they've got no model mm-hmm. to, to uh, amalgamate mm-hmm. with, with this newer society. Yeah. So it's a harder transition than than I think any immigrant society has had in the past. Well, that's our fault, Lincoln. We, as a society, are no longer welcoming the other societies into our family. We are allowing them, we are encouraging them to cluster. We're, we're, we're getting mad at them and offended when they do something that is true and blue to them. We get all up in arms and say, shame on you. Aren't we to blame a lot in this and other and Europeans as well? Aren't we to blame for keeping these people from being nurtured by our society? Partly. Yeah, I've been to Europe and I've seen things and, and yes, I think there's an element of that. But I think it's made doubly hard by the nature of the groups that have come lately. Okay. So I think there is a true culture clash. It's a little sad that the United States military adventure in Iraq, which had its own logic for the, the rulers, you know, you can't question that, mm-hmm. but it clearly went wrong yes. and uh, unsettled a whole part of the world that now people are fleeing by the hundreds of thousands and are bringing the problems that pre-existed, that we exacerbated, bringing them to Europe, where we haven't really solved the original problem. Yeah, true. true. The, the, the refugees are going to come in greater and greater numbers when responsible and moral people leading different countries really should work to create a more uh, livable environment for Mm -hmm. the people where they are. You can't solve an ongoing problem by removing all of the people from it. Yes, yes. This is the fallacy of the refugee crisis. But as far as religious liberty, I think it is functioning to bring quite different religious communities into sharp conflict, sharper than would be otherwise. Mm -hmm. You made a statement there that I've heard others make, and it seems to make a lot of sense, that the answer, the solution to the refugee problem isn't opening the doors of our country, it's securing the doors of their country. It is making their country safe for them. They don't want to leave. These people love their country, love it a lot. And so what can we do to help them help themselves in place in their country? Well, you know, the answers are hard to come by uh, this far down the road of many wrong actions. Yes, yes. But I think individually we can be sensitive to what's happening. As citizens, we can encourage our leaders to uh, look to uh, solving the issues in those countries rather than exacerbating. Mm. We don't need more conflict right now. It seems that the U.S. and Western Europe are gearing up for some sort of mighty showdown with not just with Syria but with Iran, Russia. I was in Turkey when they shot down a Russian plane. I mean, the Bible says that the nations are gearing up for war. Yeah, yeah. It's happened from the beginning, as Jesus said, there'll be wars and rumors of wars right till the end. But Mm -hmm. I think at this late point in Earth's history, the drums of war have never been beat so loudly. Mm -hmm. And we as Christians should respond how? What should be our take on this? Well, it's not difficult for the individual Christian to live a Christian life, but how you, we relate that to uh, these situations, I think uh, it's, it's going to be very difficult. We uh, need to be, as Jesus said, wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. We need to be wise about the conflicts between religious faith. Islam, for example, is not 
just a slight doctrinal difference from Christianity. It's radically different, and within its own holy writings, it actually uh, incites someone of a total commitment to quite radical acts against Christians, just as during the Crusades and the Inquisition, fanatical Christians could be encouraged, I don't think by the Bible, but by churchmen, to horrific acts against non-believers. But at the moment, we're faced with a, with a radical version of Islam that probably won't be as peaceful even as a peaceful Christian might hope it to be. <laughs> But I think we need to speak with charity to the deficiencies of our own faith as well as others. We need to be welcoming personally. Yes, if a refugee comes to our neighborhood, we should welcome them and help them. But I don't think we should encourage our nations just to uh, you know, open the doors and think that everything will work out fine. So on the seeds of religious conflict in another part of the world, and now to bring the byproduct of that in is only to import the same problem. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your insights. Appreciate it. My pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. 